The Start On Demand. On demand. Today we honored and celebrated the life and music of Eddie Van Halen, whom we learned yesterday has died at age 65. We'll speak with musicologist Alan Cross, the host of the ongoing History of New Music, about what made Eddie Van Halen just so special. We'll also talk about the bands that take you back. And we'll get NHL Draft Day reaction from Winnipeg Jets GM Kevin Cheveldayoff. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, October 7th podcast for The Start. All right. Let's see if I can figure this out here. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Greg, are you there? Where are you, Brett? I'm looking across and I can't see you. <laughs> Loren, are you there? I'm there. Okay. You sound like you're in a different location, though. You sound like you're in a box. Really? Yeah, it, it does sound kind of uh, kind of weird. And this microphone won't... How do I tighten this microphone? Anyway, I'm in the control room today. I'm training. <laughs> it's training day because Global's Abigail Turner is on the anchor desk on Global News Morning. And I am in the control room today doing the show. Jeff Forte sitting beside me. He's watching over me. He's judging me as we go. <laughs> has uh, he got his basset hound <laughs> at his feet? <laughs> <laughs> so today, uh, for, for those of you listening today, just bear with us because I'm sure it's going to be a bit of a gong show. It has been years since I have sat behind the board for a full shift back when I was uh, Charles Adler's technical producer and then the operator slash producer of a show called The Drive. So we figured we should probably get us cross-trained just in the event. Forte can't make it to work. So. I, what, 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 I'm, I'm insulted, Greg. Why did they ask us? <laughs> we are, our, with our, with our they... tech savviness and our ability to, you know... Because they uh, want what's said to actually be heard by other people. <laughs> That's why they didn't ask us. I'm insulted. I can't even believe this is happening. Well, and it w- if it was still the Polo Park location, it wouldn't have been a problem because that I had that was the board I had used. I was familiar with it, even though some of the software was different by the time we left. I could walk in there and at least do it, but everything is different here. The the monitors are in different spots. We got this fancy space age board that's cut in half so uh i'm gonna do my best in here you're on but, the bridge uh, captain that's right so it, it really does look also looks like a spaceship in here so we're gonna have some fun with the fact that i'm gonna screw up all kinds of stuff today so uh i'm just gonna take a deep breath <sighs> we saw Brett. And saw. so of course we're playing van halen music we've got a tribute to eddie van halen coming up in our next segment and then at 6 45 we're going to talk about the bands that take you back but uh, yesterday, both of you were, uh, Greg, you were both super excited about the NHL draft. Yeah, it was a day of mixed emotions for sure. And uh, the Winnipeg Jets uh, drafted at number 10. And number 10, of course, a really big deal in these parts. The uh, passing of Dale Howarchuk just several weeks ago. The Jets yesterday unveiling uh, their, their 10th anniversary logo modified. They'd released it several weeks ago. But they changed it uh, somewhat to honor the memory of Dale Howarchuk. And, uh, well, why don't we just do this? If you were on Twitter last night, you may have read the tweet of the night from our own Kelly Moore. If you weren't, I'll read it to you and we'll fill in the blanks here, if that's okay. If Alex Trebek was the most creative idea for announcing a draft pick, then having Crystal Howarchuk... Send out the Jets' 10th pick in their 10th anniversary to honor number 10 was by far the most special. Here is the Jets' pick. But first, our family would like to thank the Winnipeg Jets and all of Dale's loyal fans and friends for their love and support through his very tough fight of stomach cancer. He was a great hockey player and a very special man. I want you to know that he loved Winnipeg and always felt a special connection to the people of Manitoba. We both consider Winnipeg our home, 
your love and support meant so much to him. Thank you. Now I am thrilled to announce with the 10th selection in the 2020 NHL draft, the Winnipeg Jets select from Saginaw Spirit, so a little bit of a a little bit of a uh, audio misstep there, but uh, you get the point. Cole Perfetti from the Saginaw Spirit and Loren, uh, what an incredible move by the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, and I think that so you know uh, what I was thinking when I was watching that uh, draft last night was first of all the families that are there. You've got all these hopes and dreams, and you've got hopes and dreams of fans. And and when it, when but when it really boils down to it, it's about this connection, right? And we had Paul Maurice on our show yesterday talking about the connection to Winnipeg. And so when when Shovel Day off uh, called up Crystal to announce, I just got immediately teary. I couldn't believe it because I was like, what a nice thing to do. What a what a good thing to show the family of this organization and the hope that if Cole becomes a player that can to make it in the NHL, he becomes part of that family, right? And so the connection there was just so deep. I just thought that was a lovely thing to do. And I didn't see it coming, which is interesting given the love we've all shown um, for Jackie and, and since his passing in August. I should have thought that would be a, such a good thing to do, but I, it was such a surprise and a good surprise. And we get so few of those these days that they were definitely happy tears. At number three, Ottawa did this. <laughs> The host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek. Thank you, Johnny. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Jeopardy. Our category today is the NHL, and here is the clue for you. With the third pick in the 2020 NHL draft, the Ottawa Senators choose this player. The correct response, who is Tim Stutzel? Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us this morning on The Start. And, well, you're hearing the music right now indicating, you know, hey, because 2020 keeps getting better and better for all of us, fans of one of the greatest rock bands of the 80s and 90s just got some horrible news yesterday. Yeah, Brett, Monday afternoon, my phone was buzzing nonstop with people reaching out to talk about CGOB's acquisition of the Jets radio rights. About 2.30 yesterday afternoon, a phone call from one of my best friends reset that mood very quickly. Sorry, man, you you must be devastated. Oh, geez, what? What are you calling to tell me? The news was that guitarist and co-founder of Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen, had passed away. January 26, 1955 in Amsterdam. Edward Van Halen's journey into rock and roll began with learning piano at the age of six. After switching to drums, then finally to guitar, he would go to form his first band with his brother Alex when Eddie was just in the fourth grade. Eddie and Alex would continue to make music together through their teens, through college, and for the rest of their lives. In 1972, Van Halen was formed. In 1978, after the release of their first album, the world first took notice of Eddie Van Halen. When it's starting on like this, you'd record six different versions of the solos. Okay, and then just start, move the channel, like here, turn this one on, turn this one off, turn this one on, turn this one, and then he'd have to go learn the solo. Wow. So you'll see his hand move from down here to up here and down there. (laughs) Thank you for the years of music, Eddie. You kept us running with the devil. You made us jump, dance the night away, and beat it. Today, right here, right now, we honor the life, music, 
and legacy of one of the greatest guitarists of all time, Edward Ludwig Van Halen. But you can call him Eddie. Does it make you nervous to be called like a guitar hero at all? You just, people are putting on the cover of Guitar Player magazine. Here he is, God. I mean, do you feel a little odd about that sort of thing? It's, it's nice, but sometimes it's like, come on, you know. I'm just a punk kid who plays guitar. Rest in peace. Right here, right now, that was a song we used in high school presentations to talk about different things because the music just pumped you up. We did it in university. I actually used that song in my speech to my sister at her wedding to uh, outline all the highlights that I loved about her because his music was just, it had that thing that made you just, oh, like it was so good. It still is so good. And so we want to talk about the songs that take you back, take you back to your high school, take you back to your childhood, take you back to wherever at 645, the bands that bring back those memories, Greg. Yeah. um, I just realized Gary sent us a message as he does every single morning. He sends us a picture of the sunrise or of the dark sky. And it was a tribute to Eddie. And I realized I haven't had an Eddie cry yet. So I apologize if it starts coming out here. I got a message via Twitter last night from a friend of mine who lives in Seattle. And her message was this to me. Anytime I hear Van Halen, I think of walking down Portage Avenue with you, circa 1983, 1984, telling me how supremely awesome they were. So uh, the memory of uh, Eddie Van Halen will uh, live on for a long, long time in uh, their incredible music. Uh, you know what? I forgot to load up some music here. So hi there. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in training. And you know what's the funniest part about me being in training today is I have my performance review with the boss uh, coming up. <laughs> I'm watching Brett McGarry slapping Jeff Forche's hands as Jeff is, is trying to press buttons here. It's, it's, this is great television. Is this being recorded somewhere, somehow? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to slap. I just went over to reach to turn on... <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. Okay, I got so many buttons in front of me that I'm. I have, so I'm reaching over to to bring up Jeff Braun and Kelly Moore and Loren McNabb and Forte's in there. So I, I, it's I get it, Jeff. It's hard to let me make mistakes. So I appreciate that Forte is watching out for me. So anyway, sorry. I'm sorry. I got us derailed. Let's get back on track. We're talking about the bands that bring us back. Of course, Greg Mackling. Why are we discussing that? Well, Eddie Van Halen. Uh, we can say lost his battle with cancer at 65 yesterday and so we wanted to talk about uh van halen this morning but it got us thinking about you know you have very specific memories when it comes to certain bands certain music certain songs and can transport you quite literally to another time and place so we wanted to ask the question which band which music takes you to a certain time and place all right so let's go around the horn here kelly moore why don't we start with you sir I'll tell you what, Greg, I know how you're hurting uh, because I know how important Eddie Van Halen was to you. And it it brought me back to a couple of years ago when Glenn Fry passed away uh, from the Eagles because uh, uh, they were the band and they still are the band uh, that, that takes me back to when I was in my late teens and early 20s. And I just absolutely loved what those guys did. And, uh, and and so when Glenn Fry died, it took me a couple of days to really get over that emotionally. And I know that probably sounds a little stupid, but uh, mm-hmm. that was the impact that, uh, that that band and that man had on me personally. Yeah, I get it uh, completely because it is that it is that transformative that that ability for music to take you to a specific memory. What, what is what was it about the Eagles, or is it about the Eagles? Where oh. does it take you, Cal? Oh, I'll tell you what, G-Mac, uh, the, the eight-track, the Eagles' greatest hits, and cruising around down in the Fraser Valley in my 1963 Pontiac Strato Chief and, and uh, listening to, to some of their stuff from the 1970s, you know, uh, cool, easy feeling, and, and, and uh, just, I, I don't know, it, it, it just, it, it, it does, it, it makes you feel young again. I guess that's the only way that I can really describe it. And, uh, even though at that time you were probably uh, looking ahead in your life, now I look back on it and say, <laughs> man, that, that, those were the best times. They were the absolute best times. Jeff, Jeff Ron. Uh, I just wanted to ask Loren something real quick. Sorry, Brett. Uh, Loren, how often do those memories include a car and or a, a, a boy or a girl? 
Oh, I think all of them. Maybe all of the above. I think, especially for me, we would cruise around Minnedosa a lot when you were bored as a teenager. And so you were just listening to music and doing laps, as we called it, because there was one, basically one stop sign. So you would do like a full circle on the main street, come to a stop, cue up a new tape. So it's about the car and it's about, you know, maybe your first love or your first kiss or your first time you felt really, truly excited about something. Even Van Halen's Why Can't This Be Love? Is this this ballad that's rock and it's it takes you back to those feelings you had when your heart first got broken. So absolutely, I think that's in the equation for all of us. Well, since McNabb's on the mic, what's your uh, selection? <laughs> I could have gone with so many Van Halens. I I think I fired the nineteen texts that you read about how I kept changing my mind. But go ahead, just hit this. Nice. I think. This song will get me up each and every time on the dance floor. Pour Some Sugar on Me, Def Leppard. Takes me back to sort of those first dances. Um, oh, yeah. Your first sense of liberation. You know, you're out the gym floor and you're feeling like kind of like alone and independent. And maybe your mom was still standing in the corner as a chaperone. <laughs> but you, you were dancing, man. And you were allowed to be out. And you had your outfit on. And you were like, yes, pour some sugar on me. I'll write that. That is a good one. And you're right. That takes me back to like grade five, grade six sock hops. Uh, what about you, Jeff Braun? Uh, it's a band I still listen to almost not every day, but every week for sure. But it always does take me back to high school as well. And that's uh, our good old friends, the Beastie Boys. Classic. Which album is this from? Yeah, it's... This is from uh, 1992's Check Your Head, and I've, for some reason, have a vivid recollection of buying or taping off a friend every single album that they put out. Like, <laughs> when a new Beastie Boys album came out, it was a huge deal with me and a few of my friends, and uh, Check Your Head, was that's the tape that got worn out the most, cruising around Altona, for sure. I love how you just sort of quietly added or taped off of a friend. <laughs> Uh, Greg Mackling, what about you? Well, um, it, it has to be a Van Halen song. Very specific memory going to July 4th, 1986, Expo 86 in Vancouver. And my brother and I had just purchased 5150. It had just come out probably a couple of weeks before. We bought it in Vancouver. We were playing it over and over again. But the first love was always uh, Van Halen with David Lee Roth. And we recorded a song. They had this uh, recording studio at Expo 86. Kelly, I'm sure you saw it. And, Absolutely, and, yeah. And the people <laughs> performing in the window, um, they would tell you that the people outside couldn't hear you singing, uh, mm. but they could hear you singing. And we decided to perform Jump. And I completely mangled this line, and it was when people were bending over laughing that I realized, oh my God, they can hear us. <laughs> so Texas, there were even there were even the visitors from uh, Asia that were laughing too. Uh, Brett, that was the best part of it all. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, so I know we've been playing Van Halen music today, but this was actually the song that uh, Loren wanted to hear, but I didn't see the email in time, so I played the Def Leppard. Oh, no, I couldn't decide. Def Leppard, Pour Some Sugar on Me was fine. If we're talking about songs that take us back to moments, I just added this as one of them because Twisted Sister was one of the first cassette tapes I had. And I think the cover had them like eating like a ham bone or something on the oh, front, yeah. I want to say. And we pulled out the, that's back in the day where you wanted to memorize the song as quickly as possible. So you pull out the cover, look at the lyrics, go through all the words. And yeah, you play this song at a wedding, I'm still coming out hard on that dance floor. <laughs> I actually got this on an LP. I had it on vinyl mm. and I got it for Christmas. So naturally when I opened that on Christmas, there were some, uh, I don't think my mom was too happy about it. But... My mom uh, and her friends called themselves the Twisted Sisters. They're a uh, baseball team in the Transcona Ladies Slow Pitch League. And I think the Twisted Sisters are still a thing. So to all the Twisted Sisters out there, <laughs> good morning from 201 Portage. So keep texting us at 204-780-6868, the bands that bring you back as we honor and celebrate the great, uh, the immeasurable musical contributions to the world of one Eddie Van Halen. But for now, we switch gears and ask the question, when was the last time you went to the dentist? 
for me, it's been a couple of months. But the doctor, I've been try- meaning to call the doctor, Greg, for months now, and I keep forgetting to do it. Well, I'm in the same boat as you. I've had something that I, I think I should be seeing a doctor about, and I keep pushing it off, pushing it off. So the answer to both those questions is last year, maybe 2019, and uh, we're on the doorstep of 2020. And, Loren, I would suggest I'm not alone in this. Many of us putting off our regular checkups, uh, the idea of things that seem minor are probably getting put on the back burner, not for everyone, but for many of us, the idea of going to a doctor's office uh, is not really super palatable right now. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's that's a problem at the best of times. And then you throw in COVID and the odds would be that many of us have delayed or put off our regular appointments or or maybe there's that backlog now just to get in because they're ramping back up to try to improve things and get things a little bit back to normal. And so when it comes to some of those crucial checkups, like your prostate check or for women, your pap test, it's really important that we put those on the calendar and hit them when we're supposed to. So for three years in a row now, Dr. Leslie Walters and her team at the Millennium Medical have hosted a pap test. Day where they welcome walk-ins, which usually you can't do with a pap test. And she joins us now and to start to talk a bit more about what they're doing and why this is so important. Good morning, Dr. Walters. Hi, good morning. I love that intro. Thanks so much. Well, before we get into what you're doing today, what's your worry when it comes to the impact of COVID and Manitobans and Canadians taking care of all these really important health questions and concerns? There are so many concerns about that, but specifically in gynecology, it's missing the opportunity to pick up these precancerous changes that happen before cervical cancer. Um, and these changes are entirely treatable, but if we don't pick them up, then we see these women when it's late and uh, we don't like the outcomes that happen. This is a question that I think a lot of guys probably are wondering about, and it's not out of ignorance or anything. It's just obviously there are some differences. Uh, so why is a pap test so important? Well, the the cervix is part of the body that women don't have easy access to. So it really takes a dedicated effort to get in to see a physician and have a screening test when everything is going well. Uh, if you have symptoms, you probably already have a problem. So we're trying to hit up women when they're feeling healthy and have sort of no reason to think about their cervix except for our silly ads. <laughs> well, you mentioned symptoms. What kind of symptoms uh, should, should women be aware of that would alert them to the fact that, you know, you don't want to scare anyone, but that it's time to see a doctor? Well, primarily for cervical abnormalities, when cancer is already present, it's bleeding. Um, but again, if you have a healthy cervix or a cervix with precancer changes, there are no symptoms at all. So this is like so many things then when it comes to cancer, Dr. Winter- Walters, is the idea that we need to be diligent about checking it as often as possible. And I know personally speaking, when it comes to just getting that annual physical, it's a challenge to get that appointment. It's a challenge to get the timing right. And then, of course, there's always the question about how often we're supposed to be even getting a pap test. So what are, Because those rules have changed a bit over the years. So yeah. what's the guidelines for anyone listening now and wondering if they should come to your clinic today? So if a pop test has always been normal, we do it every three years, which is less onerous than the previous annual pap test. Um, but the data has shown that that is an appropriate interval. If somebody has an abnormal pap, we step up the surveillance and we do it as often as every six months or even refer to something called colposcopy where we look closer and then we see you as often as we need to to get the problem dealt with. All right. So if somebody wants to come see you today, uh, what are the hours and where do they go? We're starting at 8. We plan to wrap up around 4, though if there's a lineup, we won't be doing that. Uh, (laughs) We're at 311 Balmoral Street, which is at the corner of Balmoral and Portage across from the University of Winnipeg. And uh, just come on in. We have PPE. We're asking people to wear their masks, and we have some extras if you don't have one. And uh, we'll get you in and get it done. Okay. And uh, it was just noticed on Twitter as well at uh, Dr. Leslie, the, the ad that you've posted or the, the info that you've posted for PAP Day says, brought to you by the Vageniuses. That's us. That's, uh, that's clever. That <laughs> is clever. I like it. Well, you know what? We deal with uh, a subject matter that's taboo and we deal with healthy people. Um, so we're having a great time and we want to make sure that other people know they can come down and join us and having a great time. All right, Dr. Leslie Walters joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you so much. We appreciate the time. 
Thank you. Have a great day. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, Van Halen, as we honor and celebrate Eddie Van Halen today. I'm Greg Mackling. I'm not sure if there's a song more apropos for this particular segment. No, I would agree with you. Winnipeg Jets uh, coming out to jump in their 1.0 version was... Uh, well, it was a ritual for a long, long time, and uh, the Jets... Uh, 2.0 version brought it back as their goal song uh, for the fifth anniversary season, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, Van Halen and the Jets sort of intrinsically entwined. In fact, the very last event at the old Winnipeg Arena was a Van Halen concert, October 30th, 2004. Get out of here. Well, that is pretty cool. And of course, 680 CJOB is your home of the Winnipeg Jets and 31 young men had their names called in the first round of the NHL entry draft last evening. Loren, a dream come true for every single one of them. A dream for those players, a dream come true for their families. And of course, there was an additional special moment last night as the Jets continued to honor Dale Howarchuk. So after announcing a stylistic change for their 10th anniversary logo by replacing the Roman numeral 10 with a red-trimmed blue number 10, the team enlisted the help of Crystal Howarchuk to make their first pick at number 10 with a heartwarming tribute to Winnipeg's greatest number 10. He was a great hockey player and a very special man. I want you to know that he loved Winnipeg and always felt a special connection to the people of Manitoba. We both consider Winnipeg our home. Your love and support meant so much to him. Thank you. The gentleman who would have normally announced Cole Perfetti's name is general manager of the Winnipeg Jets, Kevin Sheveldayoff. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. We appreciate you joining us on the start for the what we hope will be uh, the first of many uh, visits. Uh, what an incredibly well-conceived, incredibly fitting tribute to Dale Howarchuk last night. I know there were a lot of tears out in uh, Jets Nation. Were you able to hold it together emotionally as Crystal stood in for you? Uh, barely. You know, it was something that... Um... When the NHL, we, we were on an early call with the NHL and, and they talked about the draft and about the virtual draft and they said, um, you know, if you have something special to your organization or something unique that, um, you know, you want to do, just give us a call and let us know. So, you know, right right then and there, we, you know, we, we kind of thought about, um, you know, what would uh, be something that we could do and. Um, just right off the top of our heads, uh, it was uh, Honor Dale, and, and um, with the tenth pick and the tenth uh, going into our tenth season, um, it was something that just it just seemed so right. And so we reached out to the Howard Chuck family and and, uh, and made the offer. And, and um, you know, like uh, like such class uh, family they are, they they gladly accepted and helped us make it a very memorable night. Cole Perfetti, uh, former Scholastic Player of the Year in the OHL, clearly an intelligent young man with some serious hockey IQ. Both Josh Morrissey and Adam Lowry were both Scholastic Players of the Year as well in the WHL. Uh, Greg tells me we think you were too. Uh, so some some mock drafts had him going as high as number four. Where did you have him on your list, and what is it you like about this young man? Well, we, we really keep our list pretty tight, and, and um, so we don't really uh, divulge it, but we were pretty excited. that the, you know, When you make your list and... and uh, you know, you, you put uh, the men, uh, the young men in order. Um, you really don't know how it's going to unfold. And as you're sitting at the table, um, sometimes you're just checking them off in order and sometimes the, the list starts to spread. And, and uh, there's people that are in different areas of your list that, that get selected. I think that's the, the beauty of scouting and I think is what makes it exciting for organizations, uh, you know, to do the extra work and go that extra mile sometime in putting lists together. So, uh, in, in this instance here, as, as it started to get closer to number 10, my phone started ringing quite a bit. And, and so obviously some other teams, uh, you know, had, um, you know, the, uh, the young man pretty high as well. But we weren't going to uh, trade out of that, uh, that pick to go down lower in the draft when we knew we had an opportunity to select uh, where we did. Yeah, there was a lot of people who were using exclamation points in that announcement because they were surprised that we had a chance to snag him. And so I'm curious, you know, Brett mentioned his scholastic 
attributes. Kevin, what does the off-ice stuff weigh for you on the decision? Obviously, you want a player who can do great things on the ice, but what do the off-ice skills mean when you're making those selections? When you're trying to uh, build an organization that uh, um, you know you know cares and and, and and it becomes a family, it's it's really important that you have great character people. And and uh, Cole is someone that you know as uh, as we're going to learn to to know more about him, um, you know, he is a special person off the ice as well. He's a very humble, very humble young man, very driven. Um, you know, uh, again, there's there's just an opportunity to. Uh, to draft the talent is one thing, but uh, to have a special, you know, young man that, that is going to continue to grow, um, you know, is uh, is is, uh, is is another uh, great opportunity for us. Where do you see him playing next year, Kev? Well, it's hard to say. Hopefully, he does get to play. You know, it's uh, we're unprecedented times here right now, and and uh, as as you saw uh, with Commissioner Bettman. Uh, talking uh, before the draft yesterday, there the the National Hockey League is uh, pushing back to at least uh, January first, and um, you know we'll we'll wait and see. But uh, I, I know he's working hard at his game and working hard at uh, all the things that he needs to, you know, to do. But uh, hopefully, we'll get an opportunity to to get him into training camp, uh, you know, with everybody here, and, and let uh, let him make that decision for us. Greg, I feel like this next question should should come from you. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Kevin, uh, our job here is to ask questions that our listeners want the answers to, and uh, hopefully ones that'll get answered. Anything happened yesterday which changed the status of Patrick Laine? Well, Patrick Laine is a Winnipeg Jet, and, and uh, you know, like anybody, it's... Uh, uh, you know, we're we're trying to build an organization that uh, you know that that has a chance to win a championship. And part of my job is to um, you know talk uh, to other managers. Uh, certainly, at this point in time in the off season, there's lots of speculation, and uh, we live in a in a market and in an age and time uh, where you know speculation is going to run rapid. But um, you know, we like our core. We like uh, you know the group of people we have. We've got some work to do. To fill some holes uh, that were created uh, with uh, uh, different circumstances that are well documented, and I'm going to do my best to do that. So, should we put speculation on any trade talk to rest, Kevin? Uh, you know, again, I think uh, this is the nature and the time that uh, you know that these these rumors uh, are going to be out there, and I'll continue to have conversations. Um, you know, and it's not just at this point in time. There's always going to be uh, you know conversations, especially especially around. Um, you know the, the the unique situation that we're all faced with um, with respect to flat cap next year, flat cap uh, you know the following year, and, and no one really knows what the even the third year uh, you know cap situation is, is going to be like uh, you know based on the pandemic. So um, you know uh, you guys wouldn't have any fun if you didn't have uh, speculation. So it's uh, it's just part of the business. Kevin, hey, before we let you go, you mentioned caps. Uh, speaking of caps. That snazzy 10th anniversary logo, am I going to be able to buy that on a hat soon? I suspect you probably would. It's, uh, um, you know, something that uh, it was great to see, uh, you know, the creativity there. And um, I think the more we can honor the, you know, the, a special person like Dale in the past, uh, just bodes well for our future. Well, we got to ask you one softball question at least. Uh, I'll make it uh, two. Your favorite Van Halen song, just to wind things up and uh, leave things on a lighter note, Kevin. Well, I think it it has to be jump. I think uh, again, um, you know, as you mentioned in the uh, the intro here, um, you know, it was a special song to Jets 1.0. We honored it, uh, Jets 2.0. But I know as a as a as a former player and, and uh, just as an athlete, uh, it, it's a song that gets you going and. Um, I, it's, uh, I, I, so I, you know, to me, that's, that's synonymous with, uh, um, you know, with the sporting venues and, and, uh, you know, it was great to uh, hear at the top of the segment. General manager of the Winnipeg Jets, Kevin Sheveldayoff joining us live on 680 CJOB. Kevin, thank you for this. My pleasure. Well, we start this hour at university. And college, where online classes have been up and running for about a month now. And while a lot of talk has centered around how classes will work in COVID times, Greg, there are still many students going to and from campus. And for those students, Red River College is working to help 
students feel more safe. We know sexual assaults on campus have been in the headlines in recent years. And so Red River College has partnered with EVA, AVA, which stands for Ending Violence Across Manitoba, to launch a new online tool to help students and staff anonymously report sexual assaults. So for more on what they're doing and why, we're joined now by Jessica Spindler, who is the Resource and Resolutions Advisor with Red River College. Good morning, Jessica. Hi, how are you? We're well, thank you. And and as Greg just outlined, we have been talking a lot about the work that post-secondary institutions have been doing in recent years to combat sexual assaults on campus and violence that's experienced by even students or staff or instructors. And so I'm wondering at this stage, why did Red River College feel like they need to take this step towards this online tool? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for providing the opportunity for us to chat about this today. Um, as you know, was mentioned right off the top, this has been an emerging issue in the headlines and talked about a lot more in recent years. So this project uh, called REITS, which stands for Respect, Educate, Empower Survivors, the online reporting platform has actually been in the works for a couple of years now, um, but it's finally live here in Canada. And uh, particularly in Manitoba, Red River is among 10 post-secondaries that have launched this tool in the last couple of weeks. Uh, And, you know, I think the timing, especially now, given that people are working, studying uh, and all of that more remotely, it's especially important these days to have these resources and tools available online so that people can access them uh, wherever they are. Um, You know, we do have resources available in person on campus, uh, but this tool will allow people to access information and make that report, you know, from the comfort of their own home. It's really just providing another avenue for accessing information about what supports are available and how a person who has experienced a form of sexual violence uh, can report that, whether they choose to make the report uh, to their institution or to police or both, um, they can get that information on online through the Reese platform uh, and summarize all the information um, that those entities would need to know in order to look into a complaint. So how do I access this online tool? What do I do? Yeah, so there's a website for Reese. Uh, it's reesecommunity.com. Um, that's the general website where people can gather information and read about the tool. Um, but actually, the nice thing about this that I think makes it even more accessible to campuses is the fact that each institution has uh, a customized link. Uh, so there's a Red River College customized link, uh, you know, University of Manitoba, Brandon, each will have a custom link. And the nice thing about that is that it will uh, provide information to who in particular the student or staff member reporting a concern can talk to on campus about the issue if they want to do that. And it'll also provide uh, a local resource list of community supports tailored to the community where the person is is making that complaint. It's all well and good to give a, a portal, Jessica, and a place to report this type of activity in a situation that you've been in yourself. Uh, it's another thing altogether to direct those people to a place where they can get the support so that they can work through uh, this issue and, and work through what's happened to them and, and, and kind of take back some of their own life, some control over what is a, typically a situation where you feel like you've lost all control. Yeah, absolutely. And I think having more information up front about what happens and the supports that will be available if you do decide to make a concern known uh, is a really important factor. We know that sexual violence, you know, across Canada, but particularly on campuses, is underreported. And a big part of that is because people don't necessarily have all the information they need to make a decision. You know, what happens next if I bring this forward? What is the institution going to do? Uh, you know, will this be kept private? Like, these are all questions that people have. And so part of what the project is working to do is to take away some of that mystery around what happens next and to ensure that people know that there are supports in place to help them through this and that the institutions do take it very seriously and and want to know about these incidents if and when they do occur so that they can be properly addressed. 
Yeah, you mentioned that just the numbers of being underreported. Statistics Canada says eight out of every 10 sex assaults are never reported to police. And then, of course, with female students, one in five identify with experiencing sex assaults on campus. And so it's a, a very real problem. I'm curious then if, if someone goes online and makes a report, uh, you know, there's going to be that whole idea of how do I know it remains anonymous so that there, no one ever contacts them in the end, like in terms of staying anonymous, how can we ensure that? Yeah, so so the tool offers a few different ways of making a report. Uh, you mentioned the anonymous report. That's a specific type of report um, in the portal. So if a complaint is anonymous, um, you know, it can't necessarily be investigated in the same way um, because, you know, you, you require certain information in order to look into a concern. Um, a re- an anonymous report through the Reese portal is really about gathering information. Um, the person who provides those details, you know, it'll be made clear up front to them that it's not possible to look into an anonymous report through this portal because we wouldn't have enough information uh, to to conduct that investigative exercise. However, the information they provide anonymously is still being gathered in terms of the details that they may wish to provide about their gender, about the gender and details of the perpetrator, about where it happened. You know, was it at a campus social event? Was it off campus? Uh, Was it during class time? All of this information is still incredibly valuable, especially when we're able to gather it on the Manitoba level and, you know, possibly in the future on the Canada-wide level. We know these things are underreported and the data is lacking and that means that the response, you know, at present is not robust as it necessarily could be if we had more information about who is involved, uh, where and when these things are happening. So the anonymous reports really feed into gathering data on a provincial and, and potentially national level in the future so that policies and procedures and training uh, can really address uh, the matter. Uh, another option through the Reese tool is to make uh, a report that's not anonymous, um, where the complainant identifies themselves and details about who has harmed them. And in that situation, uh, the person would be contacted uh, so that uh, the matter can be uh, investigated appropriately. Jessica Spindler. Even in the case, oh, sorry, sorry, finish your thought and then we got to go. Oh, I, I was just going to say, you know, there's a lot of upfront information on the tool in terms of anonymous reports uh, and complaints that have the complainant's name so they can be followed up with. It's all about sharing this information so that survivors are empowered to make the decisions that are best for them in terms of reporting. The name of the tool is Reese Respect, Educate, Empower Survivors. Jessica Spindler, Resource and Resolutions Advisor for Red River College, joining us live on CJOB. Jessica, thank you very much for this. Thanks for having me. Bye thank now. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In just a moment, I think somebody is going to be standing on top of the world if they like Santa Lucia pizza. And really, who doesn't like Santa Lucia pizza? We're giving away a large two-topping pizza based on your text messages. Which bands take you back and why? And we have a couple of stories loaded up here. So, Loren, why don't you read this first runner-up that Greg has harvested? Oh, well, I love all these memories people are bringing back, so thank you for them. But this came from a listener who says, When I was in grade nine, we talked our social studies teacher into taking us to a Nazareth concert <laughs> in Winnipeg as part of a trip from Nipah, I should add. Thrill of my life, they write, is it was my first concert experience. The teacher ended up waiting on the bus after the first few songs. I guess the teacher wasn't into it. Our listener says it was unforgettable. Unforgettable. Great story. All right. And then, Greg, how about I read the, this next runner-up, and then you read the winner? Sounds great. Okay. Keith says, my best memory was my first concert when I was 13, back in 1977. Kiss at the old Winnipeg Arena. Back then, had to camp out for two days to get tickets. Not like now online. When I actually went to a concert, had a great time until when it was over, went to, went to leave. I fell 20 rows down the stairs. LOL. Hurt for a few days, but in the end, it was all worth it. I still think about it to this day. Keith, 20 rows, my gosh. But yeah. who's the winner, Greg? Yeah, sorry, Keith. Lori beats you out. My boyfriend back in 1977 had a metallic blue Camaro with a rare cassette deck. And 
when I hear Under My Thumb, first recorded by the Rolling Stones, then redone in a much better version by Streetheart in 1979, I'm taken back to that car. He let me drive it, and it was souped up with wide tires. Yeah, I married him. He sold the car, but not my heart. We are still married, and I tell everyone it wasn't his body. It was the car and the cassette debt. She went on to tell us, hubby tapped on the steering wheel and counters and lap all our lives. I said, that's it. You need to drum. He's amazing. No lessons, just lots of rhythm. I bought my husband electric drums for his 60th birthday two years ago, and he plays a set including Under My Thumb Makes Us Feel Like Teenagers Again. You know, weather was brought to you by Auto Show Sales and Finance 2020 Consumer Choice Award winner. Visit then to see their unique wide selection of trucks, cars, SUVs, and camper trailers just two minutes west of Keniston on McGillery. Thank you, Greg. I was in the wrong spot in the script here, trying to keep track of everything else, and I couldn't keep track of Got the most back, basic Jack. task. Read the sponsor, Brett. Fine, you're good. Thank you, Loren. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate that. Uh, so we are hoping to hear from the great musicologist Alan Cross in the next couple of minutes here, uh, the host of the ongoing History of New Music, which airs Sundays at 8. One of friends down the hall, Winnipeg's Rock Station, Power 97. Uh, so if he phones during the segment, I'm just going to pick up the phone. with him. Oh, hang on a second. There I think is. this is him. Hey, is that Alan Cross? Hang on one sec. Okay, I'm putting them on hold so I can bring them on the air. This live radio. Okay, all I right. I love this. Uh, okay, Alan, can you hear us? I can. Right on. Uh, so I'm in. Tra- I'm on the behind the board right now. I'm training, so okay. <laughs> it's a sort of a live fire situation. Okay, so Greg, why don't you start us off with Alan Cross? Well, this morning we have been discussing the bands, the music that takes you back to a specific place or place in time, Loren. Yeah, and of course, we learned yesterday that Eddie Van Halen lost his decades-long battle with cancer. This is from a Journal of Musical Things. Eddie has been suffering from various forms of mouth and throat cancer since the late 90s, resulting in the surgical removal of a third of his tongue in 2000. The cancer might have been from years of heavy smoking, although Eddie believed it may have been the result of sucking on metal guitar picks. He'd keep them in his mouth, retrieving them when necessary to play. He is, of course, survived by his wife, Jamie. They married in 2008, and she was with him when he passed. His son and bandmate, Wolfgang, and his brother and bandmate, Alex. And Eddie was also famously married to Valerie Bertinelli between 1981 and 2007. Mm-hmm. Our next guest is one of the finest musicologists on the planet. He's a Manitoba boy, and he remembers the very first time he heard Van Halen. He remembers it this way. I remember exactly where I was when I heard Van Halen for the first time. I was stocking shelves in the local grocery store, and because the boss had left for the day, we switched the store radio to the brand new local FM rock station. I don't know if we need to mention them. When Running With The Devil came on, we all stopped and stared in wonderment at the speaker hanging on a post. What the hell was this? He is the founder of a journal of musical things. You know who we're bringing on here. It is uh, Alan Cross. We're always thrilled to welcome him home. How are you doing, Alan? I'm good. This is this is so sad because you know if you were one of those people who heard Van Halen like I did in the in your musical coming of age years, which are those you know between the ages of thirteen and. 23 when music is central to your life you'll understand exactly what kind of an impact van halen had uh, especially eddie's eddie's playing it was unlike anything that we had ever heard we were all too young to really pick up on what Jimi hendrix had done in the 1960s but uh with with you know eddie became our generation's hendrix yeah i mean the guy the, the, he's spent i think back to uh, my childhood, and he went through the, my childhood, through my teenage years, into my adult years. I know that Billie Eilish didn't know who Van Halen was, but I think you'd be hard pressed to find uh, some most people. Find that most people, I think, know who at least know of Van Halen. Yeah, but you know, Billie Eilish was what sixteen at the time. You got to be, you know, she's got to be forgiven for not knowing somebody who was was uh, a huge star. You know, decades before she was born. But now, though, I think with uh, streaming music services, with things like TikTok. Uh, we're going to see a lot of people prompted into discovering 
Van Halen and Eddie's music. I can just see a song like um, Run With The Devil or with uh, Dance The Night Away becoming a big TikTok video, much like we've seen recently with Fleetwood Max and Dreams. You know, and I think the great thing about what might happen as a result, it's such a huge loss to the music community. And as people mourn Eddie's passing, as you mentioned, they'll rediscover it or just discover him for the first time. And with that, now you have all these videos out there, Al. And I watched many of them yesterday and just couldn't get over how fast his fingers were moving and the different things he was doing with the guitar. What makes him so good? What was it about how he played or what he was doing that stands out for you? A couple of things. Technique and what he did to his guitars and his amplifiers. Let's talk about technique first. When he was younger, learning how to play the guitar, he did not have access to a lot of really good amps or outboard effects. So he decided that if he was going to get some really interesting sound out of his guitar, he would have to use his fingers. And that's what helped him develop this technique. And the most notable thing about his technique was this thing called tapping, where you use both hands on the fretboard. He learned that from Jimmy Page. He was listening to a song called Heartbreaker. And he thought, oh, oh, I get it. I can do that. And he developed that technique into something virtuosic. It was just incredible what he was doing. He later patented a piece of gear that allowed the guitarist to put his guitar sort of perpendicular to the bodies to give you him easier access to the fretboard so he could tap and hammer on more. That was one. Second, when he did get a chance to buy some amplifiers and guitars, he violated every warranty in the universe by you know, modifying them in ways that we're still not sure how they worked, but to create these sounds and textures that no one else had. His most famous guitar is the red one with the white stripes. That's called the Frankenstein guitar. And that's not any particular make. He put that thing together using odds and ends from other guitars. How it got that sound, we don't really know because that was proprietary to Eddie. He would do the same sort of thing to his amplifiers. How did he get those sounds? Not really sure, but uh, he was always experimenting with the technology. The other thing is that he always had a guitar with an arm to reach. He was always fiddling, tweaking, playing, experimenting, trying to come up with new riffs no matter where he was, no matter what time of the day. So he had this singular vision, this singular dedication to his instruments and his talent, and it, we can see how it all play out. Alan Cross is a musicologist, the host of the ongoing History of New Music. Alan, thank you so much for the time. As always, we got to go. You bet. See you later. All right. Guys, good stuff today, but we're out. Good work there, buddy. That's a tough... You know what? I can't even uh, send an email properly, so you've got far more buttons in front of you than I ever had. Well done, Brett. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jeff Forte and Master Control for training me, and thank you for listening to The Start. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.